Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We're here in the Kintec studio. This hour of Canuck Central brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. It is uh, a Friday, and uh, you know what that means on a Friday? It's time for the mailbag here on Canuck Central. We've got uh, producers Josh Elliott-Wolf and Vic behind the glass. Hello. I didn't know you were uh, an Oakland A's guy, Josh. I'm not. not. Nice hat, though. Uh, I guess so. Green and yellow, good combo. Went to buy another hat. Hats were buy one, get one 50% off. Yeah. Oh, might as well. Do you, as well. Do you also like Green Bay Packer hats or well, no? I don't ever say that again. But then look, the colors are pretty <laughs> it's much It's basically the same, the same thing, I Josh. Would, uh, did I just ruin that hat for you? You did a little bit. <laughs> you did a little bit. He's not going to wear it again. <laughs> I'm going to burn it. <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's fine. I'm sorry, not sorry. Questions. All right. W. As Susie hits LTIR for a minimum, minimum of 10 games, what answers are the Canucks looking for on defense? Um, I mean, the internal ones first is very obvious. External they, ones are a lot more complicated. They can't really do much um, externally, really. Now, we've talked about Ethan Bear so much. As you mentioned not that long ago, it's still... A few weeks away from being a few weeks away. Yeah. So that's really not an immediate help for the Vancouver Canucks. What you see is what you get. Like, Carson Soucy's not done for the year. This isn't John Klingberg with the Toronto Maple Leafs where they're eventually going to get the full cap hit to potentially go and acquire Chris Tanev or Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, you have a little bit of cap space right now, but all it's allowed them to do is – bring up another couple of players from the Abbotsford Canucks. Other than that, you know, this is, you've got to find solutions internally to make it work. Yeah. And they are obviously still looking at external moves and trying to make something bigger happen, but it's just so difficult to try to pull that off right now during the season. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where you look at some of the teams that are willing to move some guys it's probably not some of the guys you want to add. Yeah. And that's where the kind of dilemma is. And you haven't gotten to a point yet in the season where a lot of teams are kind of waving the white flag. And with Columbus, that's a team people keep looking at and saying, hey, can, can something get pried away from Columbus? That's still very complicated. So it's one of those things where the trades, and I hate saying this all the time, it's going to take a little bit of time. It always takes a little bit of time. But uh, again, reminder for, for trades and Canuck salary cap-wise, it's got to be money in, money out, and unless they're able to move you know, one of the contracts we know that they've uh, been thinking about moving, uh, Garland or maybe one of their expirings, Bavillier, lesser chance of Myers at this point because of their defense and where it's at right now and how well Myers has played, like they just they don't have the cap space to acquire anybody that's got any significant kind of a cap hit. So it is what it is. This one from Brad. Have I opened up too soon? Have I built too much hope? Is it okay to love again? Am I just going to get hurt as the season turns into every other season? Or is my overreact level a bit too high? I I, I see a guy who wants to love 
And when I see that, go love, man. Just love. It's all good. And guess what? You you are going to get hurt because you always get hurt. Unless you win a Stanley Cup, you always get hurt at some point. That's just the reality. But that's life. No matter who you're with, you're going to disappoint each other one, every once in a while. It will be rocky at times. It's not yes. always going to be great. But you grow through it. You get better out of it. And usually and hopefully, you find a way to persevere and you're still you know, together. And that's kind of the same relationship you have with your favorite hockey teams and your teams. And if you're never going to love, then what's the point? Move on to something else, right? <laughs> and I would say it's okay to be ready for the roller coaster this season. Like, I think they've shown enough that you, you should be able to go along for the ride at the very least. Just, you know, try, try to make sure that you don't get too ahead of yourself at times. But enjoy the ride. Why not? Ride the roller coaster however you choose to want to ride the roller coaster, okay? <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, look, it's it's a pretty good Canucks team. I'll give you that much, Brad. Are they good enough to win at the end of the year? Uh, I, I'm not really all that comfortable saying that. So yeah. it may end up in some form of disappointment. But, you know, we've all had those relationships in life where, yeah, maybe it doesn't end as well as you thought it might. Maybe you thought it was going to last forever, yeah. and it didn't. Yeah. But I bet you there were some good times during that relationship. <laughs> there were. I bet you there were some great memories you created out of that relationship and some, some lessons you learned as well. You can treat the, the 2022 or sorry, the 2023 Vancouver Canucks the same way. Yeah, the friends you made along the way. Uh, <laughs> Rager says he enjoyed his trip to Germany. Now he's ready to love again. And that's a <laughs> joke. Yeah, when I when I had my heart broken as a 19 year old, and I Ooh. needed, and I and I took a trip to Germany for a summer October and came back. Fest? A came, no, no, it wasn't, not, no, it wasn't wasn't quite Octoberfest, but I came back. That was man. summering in Europe. Came back a changed man. Mm-hmm. It was over it. Germany. He's ready to love again. <laughs> What's that? German, like Germany of all the countries is the place where you're like. Need to love again. <laughs> not France. Not like all, all, Spain. Yeah, no. Not Italy. I got not family like in the, Germany. Not so, the yeah. uh, traditional romantic countries you see in the movies. It was it was Germany. You clearly have not been to Frankfurt. It was yeah. uh, the beer and the uh, and the Wiener Schnitzel that. Uh... <laughs> hey, phrasing. <laughs> Next one. Uh, Austin. Man, I didn't even think about that. Austin and Miley. <laughs> Uh, could McDavid be a great 2C option for the Canucks? It would give the Canucks the opportunity to reunite the lotto line and help with scoring depth. All jokes aside, who would be a sneaky center target for the Canucks? Sneaky center target. target. Well, um, not Connor McDavid. No, no, that not would Connor be McDavid. real sneaky, though. It would be very sneaky. Yes, very, very sneaky, sir. Um, uh, it honestly, it would have to probably be a young player. Be somebody that isn't quite, you know, hasn't quite fit in somewhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? That hasn't really quite figured it out. Because right now, like, who's a higher-end player who is available? Who's a center? Centers that are higher-end generally don't come available all that much. Even a 2C? Like, right now, like, there isn't anybody really out there who's who's who you're looking at and saying, okay, this guy can be it. Do you believe in Line A as a center? No. No, I don't think he's a center. I don't think so either. No, but I Columbus think, was trying him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that that type of player, if he was a center, would be more intriguing to maybe roll the dice on or something. Yeah, but it would have to probably be somebody that they've had their eyes on before, mm-hmm. that they are familiar with. Maybe twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two year old, twenty-three year old, Studnika type, who they maybe go after and and see if he can figure it out. Like I just don't, um, 
I don't see them going out and being a big player in unrestricted free agency for like a Chandler Stevenson, uh, who's really found an incredible role with the Vegas Golden Knights and has been really good now for a lot of years, but yeah. kind of a player. Look, every team would love to have. He plays well at both ends of the rink, really good speed, and has become a really good player. I just... It's going to have to be either one of those uh, post-hype prospect types, similar to an Aturatu, but maybe with uh, a more NHL-ready level of resume than where Aturatu is. Beyond that, very hard to pinpoint centermen that are that are on the radar, that yeah. are anywhere near a trade block in those types of scenarios. Yeah, we we know Martin Hachas in Carolina hasn't always kind of hasn't always been easy there for him, but he, he's coming off a seventy-one point season. He has what, um, like he's doing fine this year, I think. Production wise, thirteen, fourteen points or whatever he has, but he needs a new contract after this season, and. He has been on the block before. Yeah. Do they get to a point where they maybe move him? And that's a bigger piece, obviously. It wouldn't be cheap. That's kind of what you're looking at. Guy maybe who, who's RFA 24-25 in a year or two that may not be in the team's plan. And I'm not even saying NHS is, but yeah. in terms of trying to provide an example, I think that's what you have to look at more than anything else. Can they swoop in an, into a situation like that? I've never really been a Jack Roslovic guy. Yeah, no. Um, and he's uh, an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So he could be somebody that is ending up on the market. Um, you know, there's there's some other ones that I think are somewhat interesting. I've always kind of liked Jack Drury out of Carolina. He's off to a bit of a tough start this year. Uh, and you've heard his name on the market. I used to wonder if Alex Turcott would be somebody, but looks like he's he's having a real tough go after all the injuries he suffered shortly after his draft year. But that kind of fits the mold that's more realistic yeah. than going after as opposed to somebody bigger. Jeffro texts in and says a Scott Lawton type. Now, Scott Lawton fits in a lot of different ways. Is he truly a 2C or more of a 3C? But 29, two more years at $3 million per season. Um, it's kind of like how you view him as a player. Do you view him maybe as being better at playing that matchup role, having more of a checking line as your second line? Maybe could be a third-line center as well. But I don't think Philly is willing to let him go for cheap either. And if you're spending a first-round pick, is that the type of player you're spending a first-round pick on? Yeah. It's always tough. Like, centermen are really hard to find. Um, I guess the other one could be, like, a Morgan Frost. Morgan Frost, right? I mean, you go after a player like that and somebody texts in. Kent Johnson, you've heard his name too. And the thing with Kent Johnson, I think he's super talented. Yeah. And we we know what he can do with the puck and, and everything else. Is he the type of player that this organization would value? Yeah. In terms of a two way profile that they want. Like it's it's very clear the type of player they like. Yeah. And Kent Johnson, the reason he's been given some tough love is he doesn't exhibit those details in his game mm -hmm. and that ability to play the, the the team game and being more responsible defensively. And that doesn't mean he can't figure it out. It's just, is he the player profile that they're looking for for that role? Next one from Crash is Over. If you could pry any U26 player in the league to join the Canucks, who would it be? And what would you expect the acquisition Whew. cost to be? So in this theoretically, theoretical yeah. world, any player is available. 
Um, but you any have to, player. But you have to give a realistic trade offer to ha- get that. Position. Yeah, it has to be a realistic scenario. The player yeah. could be available, maybe, and the trade offer you give is like fair value, fair not like overpaying work. because obviously they wouldn't actually be available, but fair value if they were available. So you kind of got to balance like <laughs> cost and talent, right? Well. I only want the best players, so that's part of the the hard part with this this conversation. Um, okay, I got one that I would. Yep. Um, and especially as long as uh, the man there is a general manager, and that's uh, Lou Lamorello. Mm-hmm. I go after uh, Noah Dobson, twenty three. That's who I was gonna say. Yeah, that's perfect. There we go. Noah Dobson would be my choice. Well, what's the cost? The cost is high, very high. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the cost is the cost is high. The rent is too damn high here, Josh. Like it, it has to I mean it's a first round pick. Uh, it's essentially any prospect not lane named Tom Willander, or maybe yeah. even Willander. Yeah, like, twenty three might even have to be like that's what you're talking. You're talking about a first round pick and your willingness to move one of those guys like Hiramaki and or um, Willander. And I'd be willing to pull that trigger for a player like that. And then what that would do is actually allow you to maybe flip Philip Peronic if you wanted to. Because he's a bit old. He's younger than Philip Peronic. Yeah. Right? And um, That's I think pretty you spicy. Can, you, can, you can do some, some interesting things there. But I, I always value righty defensemen. And if I had to choose somebody who could maybe be available, because he needs a contract after next year. Their situation is capped out. I'm really messed up. If Lamorello stays there, don't put anything past them. And I would swoop in to take that player in a heartbeat. Um, so one of the players that I think is uh, I, I is is underrated the 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 right word for Charlie McAvoy just because like the other night we're always talking about Quinn Hughes and and uh, and Kale McCarr and. Charlie McAvoy is an incredible defenseman. Just doesn't score at quite the same yeah. rate. Similar with Miro Haskinen. But that's a virtually unacquirable player, I think. I would say I'm going to really make this uh, part of my my train this year. Um, Travis Konechny. Konechny's your guy, hey? 26 years old, so he fits right. the criteria. And is a realistic trade target. It would probably cost... Um, some level of a high-end future asset. Mm-hmm. So first-round pick or top prospect, plus a little bit. The the traditional sort of trade deadline type of package that we see. Even though he's a winger, really good point producer, good penalty killer, plays in all kinds of situations, I'm a big Travis Konechny guy. Yeah, I like Konechny a lot too. I just, I'm not sure I'm spending my assets on him, mm-hmm. but he's a spicy player that certainly makes you better. Uh, somebody texted in and said, Anton Lundell, that's a good one too, um, may cost you more than a second and a prospect because I think they value him a lot. Does he have the offensive upside that he showed in his first year? I don't know. Yeah, but he's also not playing very elevated. Yeah. You know, um, it's a fair question overall with his offensive play, but it's what you're asking about, but... Yeah, he's 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 a he could be a good solid two way player. He's only twenty one. Only twenty one. Only twenty one. Nine points in nineteen games. Yeah, it's not that bad. The problem in the NHL, as we always know, is like true like game changing talents. Like teams yeah. just don't trade those no, guys. They don't. Yeah. Well, in that's this why. World, though, that's why I mentioned Dobson because it's like, could the like the Islanders are the right type of chaotic team. Yeah. That would do something foolish like trade Noah Dobson in a year. Plus, they have so many guys. On yeah. Long term, that they're like, ah, oh, guess we got to trade one of them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm going to say Luke Hughes, though. It's 
upset with his other brother and is like, I want to go, I want to go hang with Quinn. Ooh. I don't know what the cost would be. But. That would be pretty expensive. Yeah. That's a, guy. a lot of good rookie defensemen this year, hey? Like Luke Hughes, Mintikoff, Brock Faber. Mintikoff's been fantastic. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that are having great rookie seasons as young defensemen in this league. All right. What's the next question? Next one. Kempner, uh, does Tockip not believe in Hoaglander? Will Niels be a top six forward in the near future? I wouldn't say that. I don't think Tockett is the type of guy who doesn't believe in somebody. I think he might be skeptical sometimes. And I think he might be one of those people that may have an idea, but says, prove me wrong. Yes. And he's willing to be proven wrong because he's worked very closely with Hoaglander. And honestly, if you look at the times he's been taken out of the lineup and the times he's worked closely after practice with Tockett and how he's responded on the ice, he's gotten better. To me, I see a coach who's actually invested in his player and whether it's invested in him because he views it, he likes him personally or just because he's an asset to the team and you do what you can for every player on your roster to get the most out of them and, and make sure they remain an asset for you. But nonetheless, I don't see a coach who dislikes the player because I don't think he'd be poking and prodding and working with him as closely as he had been if he disliked the player. Usually when coaches don't like a guy, they kind of steer, steer clear from them and don't talk to them much. And then you often hear players be like, I didn't know where I stood with the coach. He never talked to me. All I knew was I wasn't playing a lot. That doesn't seem to be the case with Hoaglander and Tockett. Uh, Hoaglander's already matched his uh, point total of last year. Mind you, it was only in 25 games last year. <laughs> but it's the six goals, right? And he scored in three of the last four games. All losses, though, for the Vancouver Canucks. It's always just going to come down to how much does the coach trust him to do the defensive work. Uh, we've seen it with Andre Kuzmenko. And Kuzmenko, like his minutes don't really reflect that of a top, you know, top line forward. He's around 14, 15 minutes, but is among the lowest five-on-five minutes on average per game for the Vancouver Canucks on a night-to-night basis. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think you're seeing what Rick Tockett feels with these players, that he just doesn't trust them in a lot of situations, and that's why they're minutes, uh, and that's why they are one of the first guys to come out of the lineup when he's got to make a roster decision. Next one from Pandaloaf16. If Tyler Myers wants to sign an extension at 1.5, do you sign? One year or 1.5? 1.5 one year, yes. I mean, he he's not signing for 1.5 one year. No. Oh. But I would sign Myers one year, 1.5. Of course I would. Why Speaking wouldn't I? Of okay. chaotic 1.5 million for Tyler Myers for one year? That's value. What are you talking about here? I mean, he he can be your number six defenseman. At worst, he's your seven defenseman. And he's 1.5, yeah? Uh, Myers will be 34 years old on February 1st next year. Yeah. And... I, what do you think his market value is? Probably I, two and a half, three. Like Probably he gets Luke to, Shen contract. Yeah, he gets to unrestricted free agency next year. How does he not get at least the Luke Shen contract? I was going to say he's going to, yeah, like at least ten million total. Yeah, I could see that. Like and even it, a Susie type contract or hmm. Justin Hall, even. Yeah, because the team's going to be like, oh, he's big. Yeah, I think he's getting anywhere from two and a half to three million per year. Probably so, a three-year deal. Myers is. Remember when? Um, the last year Brandon Sutter was a, a Vancouver Canuck, right? His expensive contract had expired, and he was just on the, the one-year, like, $1 million deal. Yeah. And everybody was like, 
over the moon with Brandon Sutter that year. He's like, this is great. Like fourth liner, like he's scoring some goals. He's doing some good things. Big PK wins a lot of faceoffs. Your entire perception of Tyler Myers is framed by the contract that he signed in free agency a few years ago. If Tyler Myers was making two and a half, or as the texter says, one and a half, which is not necessarily realistic, you know, you'd have a wildly different view of the player. He still plays a lot of minutes, plays in big spots, and lately has performed pretty well, which is why we're getting this kind of a question about Tyler Myers. It wouldn't shock me that we get closer to the trade deadline and we hear a lot of what the Canucks did with Luke Shen, mm-hmm. where they say he might be available and there will be a market around him, but we do have a price maybe where we, we, we would, wouldn't mind you staying. Mm-hmm. And they present those numbers. And if he plays ball, like it wouldn't shock me that Tyler Myers at some point this season signs a team-friendly extension, like two years or something, two, two and a half if, if he's willing to do something like that, like I wouldn't be shocked if the team does it. And now if he's going to get Luke Shen money, three year, four year, three million, I don't see the team doing so. But it wouldn't shock me that we hear talks of some sort of contract discussions if they can get a team friendly number. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get a sense of whether or not you know, Tyler Myers really wants to be uh, in Vancouver <laughs> as he uh, has been for so long. And, you know, we know he likes it here and he wants to stay. So that's one thing that, you know, maybe the Canucks can use that to their advantage by getting him at a hometown discount. 100%. Gordy Locke says, you guys want to bring Myers back? You got to move on. You guys are clearly on team friends with benefits when you break up with somebody. You can't, you got to let go. You guys can't let go. I don't disagree. The thing I will say, though, is when we look at righty defensemen around the league, there are so few of them. And the Canucks have two options. Either you find somebody long term, Mm-hmm. make a big trade or you're stop gapping until Tom Willander's ready. Yes. That's literally your only choice. If Heronic's staying here long term and you can't acquire a big time top four defenseman via trade, there ain't nobody available in free agency outside of Joe, uh, Brett Pesce. Yeah. And I'm not sure he's going to get there anyways. So there really aren't any righties available. So what are you going to do on the right side? It's either you stop gap with sh- cheap one or two year deals to veterans like Chris Tanev, Maybe uh, Tyler Myers in a cheap one or two years. I was gonna say that's that's probably the other name. It's like, well, if you're deciding between Tyler Myers and Chris Tanev, who do you who would you rather? And I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the team has both next season. Whew. I mean, because look at it this way. I mean, who's the righty available? Unless Cole McWard steps up, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you have Cole McWard, but who else is knocking on the door internally on the right side? Yeah. Not. You don't want to be with Noah Juleson and. Mark Friedman again next year. And then Philip Johansson, I'm not sure how ready he's going to be. We haven't yep. heard much about him. I'm not sure he's going to be a viable option at some point. And if he's not, like, what are your options? Your options, they're limited. It's You're going to have to, if it's not Myers, it'll be somebody else who's a veteran on a cheap one or two year deal. Like that, Those are the only avenues you have to improve. And when you go through the list of righty defensemen, there aren't that many of them. I don't disagree with the notion. You got to move on. But everybody, I'm, I'm willing to sign just about anybody at the right price. Yeah. And if we're talking about a super cheap, cheap friendly contract to be your sixth defenseman, then it is what it is. Next one from Basketball Phil. Who will be starting at quarterback week one next season in Seattle? Is it Geno Smith, a rookie first or second rounder, or Drew Locke? I still think it's going to be Geno Smith. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you got to go with Geno. You have no choice. Um, whatever they might do in the draft, I don't know if that player is going to unseat Geno Smith just yet. But what what's their draft pick looking like? Yeah, it's not going to be great. It's going to be in the 20s. Though. Yeah, you're not getting one of the top quarterbacks. Well, unless you trade up. Yeah, but I mean... They're not trading up. The year to tr- trade up would have been last year when you had multiple picks. Yeah. 
Um, what I do know for sure about my Seahawks, it will not be Drew Locke. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty certain it's going to be Geno Smith. And I know he hasn't looked good this year, and I know that's not all that inspiring, especially with the defense that they're starting to build there. I don't disagree, but I, I will say this. Like, he hasn't been great, but we're not talking about somebody who's, like, horrible either. No. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about, like, as, or do you have any... I don't think Drew Locke is putting up these numbers, even. No. If he's starting. Internally, you don't have any options. And you gave Geno a contract, and I, I don't think you can you can do anything unless you bought him out. Yeah. Are you willing to trade three first-round picks to move up? Like I don't, no. I don't think that's a Seahawks M.O. It's not a safety we're talking about here. <laughs> Dan didn't get it. No. Jamal Adams. They traded uh, two first-round picks yes. to get him. Yes. That was tough. <laughs> I, you tried to like just... I thought you were just mad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was actually looking at uh, cap hits for upcoming free agent defensemen thanks to all of our conversations. There are there go through a list, man. (laughs) Our 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 uh, station model. Every time I do this, I'm still like always surprised at how bad it is. No, it's funny because we always say like all you gotta do is look. People are like, why are you guys talking about Ethan Bear and Tyler Myers and Chris Tanev? It's like literally like those are your options in free agency. You ain't got much else to look at. That's it. You definitely do not. Uh, we'll end with this one from Kurt. Coffee crisp or Kit Kat? And why is the answer coffee crisp? Oh, yeah, 100% coffee crisp. Definitely. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. Like Kit Kat, but. No, it's Kit Kat. Nah. Get. No. No. Coffee crisp. <laughs> coffee crisp. Take. Especially in the, the small sizes. Yeah. Coffee crisp. For sure. You're right. Because, like, the big coffee crisp might be a little too much, but, like, one or two of little small ones. They're a little. I, I don't know if they're thicker when they're bigger. But they feel thicker. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> um, no, I'm going Kit Kat every day of the week. As much as I love coffee, coffee crisp ain't it. To Victor mentioned off air to me uh, a coffee flavored Kit Kat though because the, the I think they make those, don't they? Wow. No. That might be oh, I think they have the dark chocolate ones. That Kit might Kat. be the winner. Because uh, the the like feel of a Kit Kat is better than the size of a Kit Kat. I don't know how to say. That. <laughs> without sounding bad. Well, there is a coffee Kit Kat. But regardless, the Kit Kat experience is better than the Coffee Crisp experience, but the flavor of a Coffee Crisp is better. Right. Yeah, they have a Kit Kat uh, four-finger coffee bar. I think it's, uh, as they say, it's available. It was available in, for a limited time in Japan, apparently. Um, so in Italy, they have this... Uh... <laughs> They have these chocolates. They're called pocket coffee. And it's basically like they have a little shot of espresso inside the coffee. Really? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a caramel. Yeah. Caramel. You know, or, but they have coffee inside instead of the caramel. And it's like that's if you're gonna go for a coffee chocolate, that's the way to go. It's like the liqueur chocolates but with coffee inside. Yeah. Pocket coffee. So on brand for Italy. I know, right? <laughs> it's actually delicious. I uh, could go for a pocket coffee right now. All right, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. That's the mailbag on Canuck Central. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.